supposed to be for Sunday morning. I'm not going to even joke with you about it. I got up here in the pulpit and God thumped me on the head and said, we're going to do John 14. I said, yes, sir. And so that's why Sunday we talked about John 14. Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at 49 through 50. If you got it, let's go ahead and stand. I want to give you some context. Some This is, uh, we've, we've, kind of covered a lot of different things, but um, Jesus has sent out the 12, they've performed miracles, he's fed the 5,000, Peter confesses to Christ, and then uh, the inner circle gets to go up the mountain and see Jesus transfigured, and they've had to come back down, the disciples could not cast the demon out of this boy, and Jesus does it, okay, and that leaves us kind of in this moment, so Luke 9, 49. If you got it, say amen. amen. All right. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. You may be seated. I want to pull out from this single verse something that jumps out at me, and I want you to see it, I want you to hear it. John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. We, we, us. One time it's mentioned in your name. Who was the focus on? This short little phrase. Who was the focus completely on? We. We, us. Listen to what Jesus says right after this. He says, we forbade him because he does not follow with us. Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Who is not against us is for us, I believe what King James says. Now, not too long ago we pulled from, uh, I believe it was in Proverbs, and we talked about the things that God hates. There were six, and then he goes, no, seven. Things that God hates. One of those was a divisive spirit. Anytime you read what, when God speaks through Paul, he talks about one thing that he desires to see in the church, and it's unity, unity, unity. And here with the disciples, we see what? Division says, God hates to spread a division amongst his family. Jesus has already said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. A man was doing a good work in Jesus' name. Can we just recognize that for a second? This man was casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and they thought they needed to tell him to stop. Can we dig a little bit deeper I'm not saying put something in there that's not in there, but what just happened to the disciples? They tried to cast out a demon, and they couldn't. They couldn't do it. And not only that, 
all the miracles that they had done, it pulls into this moment. Can't you see the people gathered around? What's going on? Disciples can't, they can't cast this demon out. Who can't? Those that follow Jesus there, they can't do it. Just picture this commotion. Well, they did all this. Yeah, but they can't, they can't cast the demon out. Picture that commotion there. Then Jesus comes and he says, how long am I going to have to put up with you? Faithless people. He casts out the demon. And here we have a man that's going around in the name of Jesus, successfully casting out demons. You're going to have to stop that. Why? Well, you're not part of our group. You're not part of our group. We have a big problem. We have a big problem in the United States. And that problem is we've got a lot of buildings. We've got a lot of buildings. But we don't have a whole lot of church. Does that make sense? Those who are under Christ are part of the same body. Those who are under the blood of Christ are part of the same body. There's plenty of disagreements. There's plenty of disagreements that we can bring up and we can talk about. But why in the world would we stop somebody doing a good work in the name of Jesus Christ? Why would we want to stop that? I hope we don't. There are some groups out there that would. Their name on their church sign doesn't match the name on our church sign. I think it's important if the name matches Jesus Christ. We need to remember that. A man here doing a good work in Jesus' name and the disciples forbade him. We, we, us. The focus is on themselves and their group and not that he was working in Jesus' name. The kingdom of God is bigger than Viola First Baptist Church. It's bigger than Big Creek Association. It's bigger than Arkansas Baptist. It's bigger than the Southern Baptist Convention. Amen? The kingdom of God is bigger. We don't need to forget that. It should be humbling for us. We don't need to forget that. The key is that we all work for Him. God has good people. His people working all over for Him. The key word is that they are doing it in the name of Jesus. We've got to remember that. It says here, they're not in our group. They don't do, do things our way. We don't benefit from their work. They do things better than we do. They have succeeded where we have failed. What does this all boil down to? This division is seated many times rooted in pride. Church rivalry. Where in the world does church rivalry come from? Pride. It's got its deepest roots set in pride. Now, we're not talking about being concerned about theological differences. Because to be honest with you, it's, it's really hard to agree with some groups. If they're doing something in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to stop them. We don't have to try to do vacation Bible school together. Because if we're wanting to teach doctrinally and we don't agree, then... Then I say, you know what, let's agree to disagree. But the things that we agree on, telling people about Jesus Christ and how to be saved, if we can't come together on that, then we've got a serious problem. Amen? 
Jesus says clearly, do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. That's important that we see that. It's also important that God did not call each church, each assembly, to be the same. We serve the same God, we follow the same Spirit, and we read from the same Word, but God has not called each church to be the same. How would you feel if somebody from Little Rock, from the, from the state convention, came down here and they said, y'all don't look anything like these inner city churches. Y'all really need to change. Well, if there's some things we need to change, then we need to change it. But you know what? God's not called us to be an inner city church because we don't live in the inner city. 1 Corinthians 12. Would you turn over there with me real quick? I want to read this passage to you. 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to read a chunk of Scripture here. So I'm going to give you some time to follow along with me. Get you a time to get there. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. You want to talk about a church with problems? They were in the middle of one of the most corrupt areas. They had this pagan temple worship that included prostitution. They had the Greek influence that included homosexuality. They had all these crazy things that were just embedded into the community that was just normal for everybody else. So they had some huge issues. But then they're dealing with division too. Paul says it's time we stop that. Listen to what he says. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I made known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pause right there. Who is against us? If someone... If someone does not proclaim Jesus as the only Son of God, if someone is cursing Christ, I'm going to tell you very plainly, they're not on our side. We proclaim the name of Christ. He is the only way to salvation. We lift up His name. If there's a division, if somebody comes up, and I'll just solve it real quick. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Jesus' name is going to be the name that's above every name. It's not going to say, welcome Baptists, when we get to those pearly gates. might have a list. It's going to be, welcome those who are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now let's keep going here. It says that no one led by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Everybody say all. That means in the body of Christ, we are for one another. We must be. We must be. This world is going straight to hell. Straight to hell. And there's a million different ways for them to get there. And there is one way to get to Jesus. And if we are blocking that way by arguing with each other, what have we done? What have we done? It says here, manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom, 
through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. Distributing to each one individually as wills. That's important. You get upset because somebody else can do something better than you can. You can't sing like a dove. You can't, you can't get up and play the piano like Mozart. God distributed those gifts as He willed. There is somebody looking at you wishing that they could have the gifts that you have if you're using them. I think it's funny sometimes. Sometimes the people who sing wish they could preach. Sometimes people who preach wish they could sing. The people who teach, it's God has given us the abilities that we have to use for Him for the good of the whole church, for the good of all. It says, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we're, also, we're all baptized in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter. Socioeconomic standing. When it says slaves are free, that's not talking about race. Do you realize that? In America, we hear the word slaves, we think African American. There was no such thing at this, when this was written. Slaves got there because of indebtedness. Sometimes people's families would be so indebted that they would be sold into slavery. That's socioeconomic standing. That's how much money they got or don't got. And sometimes people could be set up to fail from the very beginning. Still happens today. So it says it's not race. It's not socioeconomic status that divides us. We all come together under Christ. The diversity of gifts, we come together under Christ. 14, for in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. I think that... I think that cowboy churches are a good thing. I think they reach a group of people that may not come together in this type of assembly. It's different. But I think there's a temptation there that needs to be watched out for. If we were to start a cowboy church, what would, would we just be assembling all of one type of people together? What good would a body full of eyes be? Or a whole body full of ears? The successful churches, even the cowboy churches, are like that. They're bringing in different types of people. If we ever get decided, well, this is the type of church we are, this is the type of people that we want, we are directly opposing to what God wants to do because He wants to bring them all in. 
Amen? I believe that a church should reflect the community that it's in. Right? I mean, because who's in the community should be the ones that are coming there. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. And a lot of times these divisions, they come up because of pride or maybe even jealousy. And we don't need any of that in the body of God. It says here, the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not the body. Is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. We have adopted this idea of falsely claiming that the building that we gather in is the church. When the Greek term ekklesia has nothing to do with building, but it's the assembly of the saints. It's the gathering. Where God's people are, there the church is. Y'all going to church? I am the church. What do you mean am I going to church? I'm going to mess up and I'm going to call it that too because it's so ingrained in our culture. Oh, you can't do that in church. What do you mean you are the church? As a Christian, you are the church. Yes, we have prayed over this ground. We have consecrated it. We've set it apart for God's purpose. But the church is every believer on this planet right now. That means that we can have more in common with some guy in Tokyo that we've never met and not even speak the same language. We can have the same spirit in us and have more in common with that person than we do a relative that's blood related. I felt it before. Have you felt it before? We drink from the same spirit. So why in the world, why in the world would we have this division amongst us? We've got to stop friendly fire from group to group within the church, from church to church, from denomination to denomination. We can disagree on things and still do work for the kingdom of God. We should leave the commissioning and decommissioning up to Him. Amen? Disciples got a pretty big head thinking they could tell somebody what they could do and not do in the name of Jesus. If it don't come from the Word, we need to be careful stepping out on that limb. Let's go back to Luke chapter 9. Let's look at the second point here, 51 through 56. This is one of those biblical passages that somehow I, I just hadn't fully grasped until a few years back. And it is... Somewhat comical for all the wrong reasons. I want you to put yourself here, okay? Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You realize what that's saying. Jesus knew he was about to die on the cross, and so he made up his mind to go to Jerusalem. I'm about to die there, so I better get there. Think about that. And it says... And sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey of Jerusalem. They, did, they wanted Jesus to come and stay. 
And so since he wasn't going to stay, they didn't want him. If he ain't going to stay, we don't want him to come. Oh, he's going to Jerusalem? Well, we don't agree with those people where he's going to, so he's not welcome. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? Can you imagine talking to the Prince of Peace this way? Jesus, you've given us these powers. We've been healing demons. We, we now know not to stop people from casting demons out just because they're not with our group. But here the Samaritans, they won't accept us anymore. They won't accept us, and so we've got a solution. Let's call fire down from heaven to devour them. Let's obliterate them, Jesus. Brother Craig, I would never do that. I would never say that. I would never say anything like that. I've heard Christians say, I wish them homosexuals just go to hell. Shame on you. Wish them Muslims would just blow them up. Send them straight to where they belong. Shame on you. Let's just call fire down from heaven. Just, let's just drop a bomb on them. What does Jesus say to his disciples? Hey, look, they won't welcome Jesus, so let's forget them. Friend, church family, have you forgotten where you came from? As a sinner, do you know what the Bible calls you? Before you accepted Christ, you were an enemy. You had enmity with Jesus, with God. Aren't you glad somebody, after doing VBS one time, and they gave the altar call, and you said, I ain't going down there. Lord, I'll try that this Sunday. We got a lost person in here. If they're not come down this, Lord, kill them dead. Funny for all the wrong reasons, because I'm talking about hyperbole here. But that's what they did, and it still happens today. We got to stop friendly fire within the church, within the denominations, under the blood of Jesus. But we also need to have a heart for lost people, regardless of how militant they were. How many, how many of the early church you think prayed that they would just kill that Saul, Lord? I watched him kill my brother. Take him out, Jesus. Take him out, Lord. Now what would have happened? That's kind of strange to think about it that way, isn't it? We've got to be careful. Listen to what Jesus says. This is, this is not something that I would ever pull out. But I know how it makes me feel when I see people rising up against the kingdom of God, and they speak evil against my, my Savior, and they stand for all the wrong things. It hurts my heart too. But listen to what Jesus says. His disciples, James and John, saw this. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them. Everybody say rebuked. This is a, a rebuke is a stiff correction. A stiff correction. I'm not talking about a soft, hey now, no. 
a rebuke is a stiff correction. Can you see the face of Christ change? I believe that a lot of times all Jesus had to do was give that look. How many of y'all have ever seen that look from somebody? Whoo! <laughs> Don't be pointing. <laughs> Tell you what, that look, rebuke, rebuke. We don't talk about this anymore. It's a healthy thing, and Jesus had to do it here. A very stern correction. Listen to what he says. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. He didn't call them lost. He said, you don't even understand the spirit that's inside of you. You don't even understand what I'm about. John 3, 16 and following. For God so... For God so... The... All of them. I'm going to upset you. For God so loved Hitler. For God so loved Saddam. For God so loved Osama. For God so loved Donald Trump. For God so loved Hillary Clinton. For God so loved Craig Golden. For God so loved your grandma. For God so loved your children. For God so loved the whole world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. He gave up His Son so that we wouldn't perish but they would have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He that believeth in Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why did Jesus come? Why is the Holy Spirit given? Jesus says, guys, you don't even understand the Spirit inside of you. You don't even understand the family that you're a part of and what we're about. There's been some times I had to sit my children down and to explain to them, hey, that's not what we're about. That's not what we do. Our family, we don't do that. I, I can't remember. It was hot and Riley was playing the game and uh, all the teammates, all her teammates were pretty much giving up. And some of them were not wanting to go out in the field. They are getting beat pretty good. They didn't want to go out in the field. One of her best friends sat down and said, I don't want to go out there. And so Riley decided to stay with her. And they weren't going to have enough on the field. And Daddy was hot, more than just temperature hot, when I learned about it. And so after the game, we talked. What is the one thing that daddy always says? Goldens don't what? Hey, goldens don't give up. If you heard them say that, they'll tell you. Goldens don't give up. We ain't got quit in us. We don't want to. If we beat our heads against the wall, we're going to keep going. It's part of who we are as a people. Part of who you are as a Christian is that you are love. Love comes from you, it goes to other Christians, and it goes to lost people, whether they deserve it or not. That's part of who we are in Christ. He says, you don't even know what spirit you are of. 
For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Don't you know that when a lost person dies, they go to hell forever? Don't you know that? Do you? That should change the way that we pray, shouldn't it? That should change the way that we see this lost world. And when you see somebody out there cussing and spitting on the news, anti-Christian on everything they do, I just hate people like that. Why doesn't God just wipe them out? Because He loves them, church. Jesus did not come for the good people because there are no such thing as good people. He came for us all. And so in our hearts, we have got to be reminded of that. It's so, it's so simple, but man, it's hard, isn't it? We are living in a tumultuous time, and there is wickedness running rampant. And I'm talking that morality is out there that, that just, it, it, it's the opposite of what it should be. Opposite. Good is bad. Bad is good. And that can stir in us this anger. But what it should stir in us is resolve. In the book of James, it tells you very plainly, the anger of man cannot produce the righteousness of God. I'm going to say that again. The anger of man cannot produce the righteousness of God. If you want to do something good and it's anger motivated, you're doing wrong. We have to be motivated by love. Paul says in the next chapter over from what we were talking about in Corinthians in that 13th, the love chapter, he says it don't matter what you do. If you don't have love, you're just a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. I forget where it says it. They will know that we are Christians by our love. And that love is for one another, and that love needs to be for the world. We have the Spirit of Christ in us. We laugh at the disciples for they hated those Samaritans. But I've been in some church gatherings where people talk about, man, I wish we would nuke the Muslims. Do you really want that many people just to die and go to hell? Yeah, but you don't understand, they're doing this. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Eternal punishment forever. Darkness, separation from God forever. I tell you what, this, this, these verses slap me pretty hard upside the, upside the head. Because of, when I look at our government, when I look at the way things are going and it doesn't line up with the word, sometimes I get mad. We should be praying, Lord, touch them. Lord, reach them with the gospel. Lord, give them another chance. Give them another chance. Give them another chance. Can you know what it would be like when somebody for a false god would strap a bomb to their body, what they might do for the kingdom of Christ when they learn that Jesus can set them free? Can you imagine what that dedication would be like? 
When God saves somebody that radical, church, we have to let this book change us. And some of those changes are hard fought. We've got some ideals that are more American than they are biblical. I love my country. I love my country. I say God bless America. God's kingdom is bigger than our country. And there are people in countries that are against us that need to hear the message. What should we do? Not send missionaries there? Shouldn't we send missionaries to Iran? To Iraq? Man. This is some tough teaching, isn't it? I want you to picture Peter. He struggled with this. You know how I know? Garden of Gethsemane. Malchus was his name. And he was from one of the temple priests. He was one of the servants of the temple priests. And Malchus comes to take Jesus away, to kill Jesus. And Peter did what probably I would have done. Attack! I'm not going to let him take you, Lord. But Peter had a problem listening to Christ, what he was saying the whole time, just as we do. Jesus was saying, look, I come to save people, but it means that I'm going to be turned over to the hands of the Gentiles. That's going to happen. Peter had a hard time with the words of Christ. And when it came there in the garden, bad aim cuts off the man's ear. Now, I don't know how Jesus healed him. If he picked the ear up and put it back on there, I love to think about that happening. Can you imagine to be that guard? I can't arrest that guy. He put my ear back on, man. Now, what if Peter had killed him? He'd been spending eternity in hell. Right then. Right then. Church, is there a group that you wish would just disappear? A person that you wish would just disappear? If only God would call down fire from heaven and destroy them then we could get on with sharing the gospel with people. You see why that's... You see the hang-up there? Boy, if all them Muslims would just get sent straight to hell, then we could sure share Jesus with people. We're missing the whole point. Pray for those that make your journey hard. Ow! That hurts my toes. I'm say it again. Pray for those who make your journey hard. Touch them, Lord. Touch them. Pray for those that are against you. I'm not talking about those that just rub you the wrong way, personalities don't line up. Pray for those that seems like they're against you. Jesus says pray for your enemies. I never get amens when I say that. I don't know why. Because I guess it's kind of like that, getting that hand sanitizer in that cut, isn't it? Stings a little bit. Stings a little bit. Let it sting. God wants to clean some of this junk out of our life.
We can't hold hands with Christ and hatred at the same time. Pray for those that make your journey hard. God wants to save them. He wants to grow. He wants to grow them. He wants to use them too. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you? We beg for mercy and grace for ourselves, and we want God to throw the book of judgment upon others. Isn't that silly? Oh, Lord God, please don't give me what I deserve. But them, oh, Lord, just let them have it. Let them have it. Yes. See something on the news? God got them. Careful. Be careful. Old Testament. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. Simpler terms. Jesus don't want nobody to go to hell. No one. He does not delight in the death of the wicked. Now that's crazy. It's crazy talk. You'd think that would be that way, but it's not. He came to save all. Tough pill to swallow, ain't it? Just me? Is this just hard for me? It's tough. Luke 9, 57, <coughs> excuse me, through 62. They went to another village. Now, 57. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Now, I learned it. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. So I memorized it. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Time out. His dad wasn't dead. That's not what he's talking about. This is a, a euphemism that they would have used. His dad may have been close to it. He may have been older. You understand? Dad ain't doing, you know, give me some time. Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And the other said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Man. This is very simple, church. When it is time to follow Jesus, that means when Jesus says, Follow me. That's when you do it. We've got to be people who listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says jump, we need to say, how high, Lord? I'll get around to it. That's not in the Lord's vocabulary. As a matter of fact, when it's time to follow Jesus, no excuse is worthy of saying no or even later. Choosing to follow Him, even if it means uncertainty or isolation, is still following Jesus, and it's worth it. It's better to be homeless with Christ than to have a mansion and be lost. It's better to be jobless with Jesus than to have the job you've always dreamed of and be headed to hell. Or to be out of fellowship with God. That's right. Christians can be out of fellowship with God. 
here. Jesus did not have a job. Jesus did not have a home. The disciples who followed him left their home. They left their job and they just followed Jesus. And guess what? He took care of them. Can he take care of you? Can Jesus take care of you? I'll never forget. This is y'all don't understand. This is real to me. I lost a lot a little while back. I'm not going to say I lost everything. I didn't. I lost a lot. My wife, my job, my house, all of our savings, half of what we had accumulated, reputation, a lot. Pow. Gone. Gone. Ain't a coming back. Jesus said to me, follow me. My family said, you need to get a real job now. You need to stop playing around now. It's time for you to wake up and get yourself a real job and actually do something. My family that loved me, that I knew that cared about me, said some of that. What they meant was, we're worried about you. We don't know how to help you. You know what I told them? I've got to do what God wants me to do. Well, what are you going to do if, and every time all I could say was, either God's going to take care of me or He won't. You tell me which one it is, and people would eventually be quiet. If you are in that boat right now and you're having to make a difficult decision and Jesus is saying, you need to follow me on this, I'm telling you tonight, the name of Jesus, either God's going to care, take care of you or He won't. And if you don't trust Him to take care of you, then why are you following somebody like that? But if He's going to take care of you, church, then He's going to take care of you. He'll do it. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, the Son of Man don't have a place to lay his head. You might not have a job, you can lay that aside. You might not have a house, you can lay that aside. You may have more enemies than you have friends, but if you've got Jesus, I'm telling you, you're going to be all right. You're going to make it to the other side. Praise God. Praise God. Tonight, if we close, I'm sorry for going a little bit over, but we... God's Word is so powerful. If we just read it and we just apply it, that's the thing. You know? can't just open a bottle of rubbing alcohol and look at the cut on our arm. Sometimes we've got to grit our teeth and get that cotton ball and stick it on there. Ow! But it burns. It means it's working. Tell you what, this is working on me. How about you?